Welcome to Care Talk, America's home for incisive debate about healthcare business and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. David, Health 2021, yet another day, yet another meeting, yet another podcast. Who do we have this morning? Well, it's just, John, it's, it's, a, it's a first for us. It's a first because no, it's, it's a, a second. It's a first because it's a second. This is our first. Now you're confusing. This me. is our first repeat guest on Care Talk. Wow. You know how do you like that? Well, he, he was he was he's an exceptional guest the first time. We're hoping to loosen him up this time, and <laughs> see, given the fact that he's already got some experience All with right. Care Talk. Now we'll see if people can tell from the chuckle that that was actually Marcus Osborne, senior vice president at Walmart Health. We are thrilled to have you today, Marcus. Thank you for having me. So, Marcus, why why would the world's biggest retailer, the most successful retailer, even bother to take on healthcare? Why does healthcare matter to Walmart? The answer there is really simple. If you you ask Americans, and I, and I think this is the same globally, what is the number one issue? What's the what's the thing in your life as a human that causes the most stress, angst, and concern? It's it's health and healthcare, um, and we we've seen that not just because of COVID. If you go back. Three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, forty years ago, healthcare has been the top concern. And so, one, we're in the business of taking care of consumer needs. We're not a retailer. I think that's a mistake to say. We're in the business of addressing needs of consumers. And our view is, if we do that better than other people, we will exist in ten years. If we don't, if somebody else does it better than us, then then we will be replaced. And I think. The other thing, but let me press on that. So, okay. but DTC isn't that always about retail? It's always about that 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 that, that John, kind of call D- and response, John, to direct D- to consumer. I not, don't even go there. Yeah, don't try to make up your own words for the acronyms. <laughs> but if, in the direct to consumer business, isn't that retail? What's the difference between meeting consumers' needs and 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 sort of expanding beyond retail? I, I don't think there is a difference, and and I think. And what's actually interesting is if you ask the questions, what, what is driving the concern from Americans about health and health care? And, and listen to what they say. I can't afford the care that I need for myself and my family. It's an affordability issue. That, I, that the care that I need is not accessible or convenient. That the care I need is not simply is, is too complex. Well, it's really interesting if you take the word care out, that's fundamentally what Walmart has been trying to address from a retail perspective when, you, when it comes to when we entered food. What do we hear? People were saying food is more expensive than it should be. Um, in a lot of communities, you had food deserts. They couldn't access fresh produce. Um, so you had accessibility and convenience challenges um, that often it was just hard to get what you needed. So in many ways, healthcare is the same the challenges that we're facing are the same as we faced in other areas. Mm-hmm. And, and so for us, it's just, it, it frankly is a logical extension. We go where customers tell us to go, and we do those things that we feel like we have a, a, a right to play around. We know how to make things affordable. We know how to improve accessibility and convenience. We strive to make things simpler. Um, so it, it, it's just a natural Space Force. Well, you're going to have to explain Walmart to my colleague here because he's yeah. actually never been to a Walmart. Yeah. Now, nah, now he's he's sort of in the People's Republic of Massachusetts yeah. and that, you know, kind of an urban area. So, how many what? people <laughs> do, does Walmart serve like every week in America? Uh, at, at retail in, in the physical bricks and mortar stores in the U.S., uh, you're looking at you know 150 million or more Americans. You you the numbers now are you know more than 90 percent of the U.S. is 
is within, you know, 10 minutes of, of a Walmart um, in a given Not year. Not you, David, but they are kind of a big retail big. healthcare entity. Like it, you, yeah. you should really pay a little bit of attention. You know, Marcus, one thing that's changed uh, since two years ago is that before uh, Mr. Driscoll had me in Mr. Trump's corner, and now, I, now I'm positioned <laughs> as the, the plutocrat. And so just so you know, I haven't the changed techie, other than the that. The techie plutocrat. How's yeah. the Tesla going? <laughs> it's going well. Thank you, John. Yeah. But um, it's not guzzling any gas or throwing out anything. Marcus, the first time that I was exposed to uh, Walmart's entry into healthcare had to do with the $4 generics. Yep. And it was a striking thing at the time because we were aware in healthcare that some of these other uh, companies that were um, pharmacies were charged, charging huge, huge dollar amounts for, for generics that they were getting for next to nothing. And I think Walmart basically came in and said, we can make money of the $4 uh, generic. And it, was just, it just changed the whole industry. Are you doing things the same way? Um, you know, everyone's kind of copied that. Is everyone doing the same thing now in, in retail or however you want to you know, define your, your market? Well, I think we're, we're following that, that playbook is the same playbook that we're following. And it's, it's a pretty simple one. I mean, the, the, the interesting fact about the launch of the $4 generic program is everybody assumes that it was about us taking share from pharmacy competitors. Actually, if you go back and look at what happened, that's not what happened. What happened is... There were all these people that, that were out there that had prescriptions, and they just weren't filling them. Or you would hear stories of people, uh, a couple, seniors, who were pill splitting. What it actually did is it enabled people who could not afford to engage and get the therapies they needed to now afford them. I think if you look at what we're doing in healthcare broadly, that it's still the same playbook. The belief right now is there are a lot of people who are being served well by the system but there's a lot of people who don't you look at the numbers of people who are saying i you know haven't i haven't gone and gotten a checkup in five ten years i haven't you know been able to get a teeth cleaning in years or ever i haven't gotten my eyes checked i haven't got my hearing checked i probably need to do that um for us it, it is about us creating solutions that enable us to have people who have needs and are deferring or delaying or not selling them to get them taken care of now. And so when, when I sort of describe what we're doing, it, 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 it resonates, you know, and it, and it certainly comes from the $4 program. It's about, you know, building community health solutions that are accessible that everybody can access, can get, get their needs addressed today, not have to defer or delay. And so but there's a profound affordability approach though, yes. Walt, that Marcus, that for me is the promise of Walmart. I think we were talking at one point about um, one of your CEOs was walking into a DME area and saw a walker that his mother had, you know, had, had been basically required or, or positioned to purchase. And it was like at a, a high multiple of mm -hmm. what Walmart was charging in your pharmacy. And, and you said, you know, we couldn't, we didn't have the heart to tell him we have a 90% margin on that. There, the affordability, the, the, the misplaced margin that gets in the way of people accessing care, it strikes me that's Walmart's big advantage. Do you mm -hmm. think that same, as David was saying, $4 re, also reset the bar of what affordability meant? I mean, the problem with healthcare is all of the prices and services are up and to the right, costing more and more every day. I, does Walmart have a, an agenda to start to reset the basic costs of healthcare to the point where, you know, 
working class Americans, people who are the, the working poor and the, the lower middle class, folks who are live on a middle class income, you know, who are you know, making you know, less than the median income of $58,000 a year, can more, more, more affordably access services, goods, and, and, and decent advice in healthcare. Yes. And, and what I would say is the question you should probably be asking is, well, how are you going to do that? if no one else has really done that. And and I think in my mind, the way we get there is what we're trying to build, and, and, it's, and it's fundamentally the same as the rest of our business, right? That, that if you go back to the kind of Sam Walton mantra that he'd rather sell a hundred things and make a penny per than 10 things and make 10 cents per. And it, it, was, a, it was a volume game. And most people say, well, there's n- volume in healthcare. Was volume. If you can... You know, yes, we're using physicians and dentists and optometrists and, and traditional healthcare providers. We're also using um, community health workers and other people who are maybe less traditional to try to think about how we impact care. But if you use those professionals and providers and use them efficiently and have them where they spend all their time taking care of patients and not doing administrative tasks that are not necessary or value added. Um, and if you can build solutions that actually engage communities in a significant way where you get significant volume, we believe that's how you actually can lower the cost is getting more people coming in, operating more efficiently, more effectively, um, enables you to ma- make things more affordable. And, and the point being that you go back to the same story. I'd rather sell 100 things and make a penny per than sell 10 things and make 10 cents per. And I think that's where... Often the conversations I have with health systems, what they're focused on is what is the new service I can get into that I may only do one or two of in a given week, but Proton I can, but I can, I can charge a hundred thousand dollars for it. That's that's fine. That's that's great. That's not our business. Our business so what's, is what's, how can so I? So what's get, the next to my, my you know my aging you know aunts? My aunts yeah. seem to live forever, but they've all got co- chronic conditions. They're all on fixed income. Nurses, school teachers. Uh, I've got you know, uncles who worked in the building trades. Just uh, announcement: are, John, John, are, is, John is a man of the people. In case anybody, you know, unlike in case it you, wasn't clear. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm not, but my a lot of <laughs> my, my grandparents are immigrants. Where did your guy? Uh, all right, there. all right. Let's go. But like they're they're and every every elderly Medicare eligible in my family asks about affordability. Mm-hmm. If they walk into Walmart today, what are they going to see that's going to be a better choice for them? That's going to help them access care and Two or three years from now, we're, what are they going to be? We're assuming, God willing, they are still around. What will they be able to access at Walmart? Yeah. So I think today what they see is increasingly greater access to more services, more solutions at affordable price at, at, in a way that's more convenient. So if you're in jo- if they happen to live in Georgia, then they could go into a Walmart health site, which didn't exist two years ago, and they could they could have all their primary care needs done. They have they like could, a doctor. Yeah. They could sit with a doctor or they could sit. You could go. Yeah. Uh, or he, he may actually need behavioral health, mental health services. Yeah. We've got a I mean, recovery services. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. Exactly. I need someone to translate all the TLAs. John's gotten to DME and THC <laughs> and God knows what else. Marcus, how do you leverage the kind of relationship you have with the very large workforce uh, from Walmart? That seems to me has always been kind of a core to your strategy. Well, how, how big is that workforce, David? How big is it? Uh, in the U.S., about about one and a half million associates, and and a little more than one million on our on our plan. And so, um, so yeah. So I guess what I would say for that is, 
we we view our associates I, many in many ways are our biggest, best, most vocal customers. So when we design, we design with our associates in mind um, because we know they're they're in the community and and so um, I think in many ways what what we say is our associates are when we design these things and, and there are opportunities to engage them first, we know they're going to tell us what we're doing well and what we're failing at. And so um, in, in some ways, when you have a population that large, it gives us the opportunity to go out and try things out, test things out, get feedback in the communities where we operate. So our, our relationship with our associates is critical because they, they are the front line. They are the ones that Want want to and need to engage these services, and they will tell us really quickly whether we're doing it right. Or well, and they were and they were heroic during COVID. Oh, I mean, you know, someone who doesn't visit Walmart like David doesn't understand that they were they were open, they were serving, they were getting people food. It was they, really amazing, and and you, you know, a lot of our companies um, had the opportunity to kind of work from home or whatever. That that Walmart staying available, staying open. People don't realize that in a lot of rural areas. They are the only outlet for you know decent, affordable food. It was really amazing. Well, and, and and we were with COVID testing and now COVID immunizations and other things. I mean, I, I I fundamentally believe that that WalMarts were the front and center of addressing the public health challenge that COVID. We we help people deal with you know get food, get get you know whatever they needed to sustain their life while they were dealing with COVID, and we help them get tested when they needed to get tested. We helped them now get immunized so that they could actually get out. I, 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 you're exactly right. And we don't talk enough about it. Your associates are heroes. They were. They were. So, John, now that you've uh, buttered up Marcus with all these softball questions, you ready to hit him with some we, hard ones? Well, well I, mean, I, I thought that was your job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I had a job here. I thought I was just meant to absorb all the blows. <laughs> so, Marcus, there's a recent announcement uh, between Walmart and Epic. On the EHR side, and what I think is about, Epic? I think, and it, what is an EHR? Or is Epic an EHR? I mean, just explain EHR yourself. is like a THC, John. Uh, it's the sort of thing that you that you, you got to get that so THC thing I think, out I think of your lexicon know for this show. Electronic uh, health record, or sometimes electronic medical record, because the H and the M go together, like the store in Sweden. And so, Epic uh, generally sells to the very large uh, hospital systems, and uh, Walmart does things differently. Um, Epic is known as being, you know, big in the standard, but also kind of very bloated and expensive. Cumbersome, uh, as well. quarter of a billion dollar implementation fee yeah. for a hospital would not be un right. Which I, which I know nothing for you, John. I know your aunts wouldn't pay that kind of fee. But at Walmart, I mean, it, it strikes me as a kind of a, a safe and a traditional choice that kind of limits where you can go. But what's what's behind the Epic deal? Well, the biggest thing, and as we think about Epic and some of our other technology partners. Um, what we actually need is something that is scalable, but also that recognizes we have the, the, the breadth of offering. And, and what I will tell you is, that, uh, so when you, you think about Walmart Health, we don't just have primary care. We don't just have behavioral health. Um, we have dental. We have optometry. We have hearing. We have fitness and nutrition programs. We, we're testing physical therapy. The idea that uh, we need a system that actually, we have pharmacy already. We have pursuant and Higgy kiosks that, that do blood pressure screens. We do Walmart wellness days. Um, back on pharmacies, we're starting to do more and more clinical services out of pharmacy. It is incumbent that we have a system that enables us to organize clinically across all those service lines. And, um, and so for us, 
you know, uh, that was critical. The other piece is we we know we we need to be part of the healthcare ecosystem. We know that we cannot solve and address all the problems, all the health problems of the people who are coming in, but we need to have a mechanism that says when we need to help them get care that goes beyond us, we need to make sure that we can support them and follow them through. And so decisions we made um, were really about us recognizing one, our ability to create an integrated experience and uh, internally, you know, and then secondarily be able to have that connectivity broadly to, to, the, to the bigger system. Let me go down the other end of the spectrum. We're here at, at Health, and there's just like a veritable forest of all these new digital health companies mm-hmm. that, are, that are here, and there's been tens of billions of dollars invested in digital health. I think they're saplings. In fact, in some cases, they're just well-funded seeds. There are seeds, but they've got, they've the got ex- a They've got a booth. They got, they've got a, they've got a, they've a got booth a, and a, a gel. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> and, 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 and some erasers. And you think that's technology, David? I think there's a lot of money going into it, John. And they Over actually should get some- billion dollars in the first six months of this year going yeah. to digital startups. Exactly. You should have done that. And I know, I know they're not spending it all on booth fees and lip balms and stuff here that they're giving out. So- a lot of them must have, you know, big ideas in their plans. How do these, you know, fit into what Walmart's doing, if at all? How do you sort through them? Well, honestly, a lot of them don't fit. Um, and, and I will tell you, and I've said this quite a bit recently, I do, I do have significant concern as I look at a lot of these innovators on the digital health side. I, who, I wonder, who are they designing solutions for? And... It feels to me like many of them have solutions designed for those individuals who are already well-served. Um, Industry you, trade for, shows aren't a good for sor- source of, yeah. of outcomes. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. John. Yeah, John, the, the person, yeah, the straw man that John's painted. Like, that's who everybody, they're listening, and they don't realize he's insulting me. <laughs> and they think drawing out, like, the perfect customer. And all the billions of dollars have been invested in digital health for me and I just walk through and get the lip balm because my wife liked that that's right you got the robot thing the other day which I is threw the it little... away but, but I, I will say this that increasingly I'm seeing groups who have a who have a design intent where they're saying how do I actually it's not about digital health for digital health sake it's about how do I actually create solutions that are really about reaching everyone particularly um, those who are the you know, most underserved. And, and, you know, I'll give you an example. I, I met with her yesterday, um, but the, the, the uh, founder and CEO of a company called Poppy Seed that's serving maternity care. And, you know, her solution, it's a digital solution, but the way she engages with, with, with women who are pregnant, particularly on Medicaid, is through text. And it's how, and she, you know, connecting uh, doulas and nurse midwives and other people in the moment with a woman who has questions and what is you know, and then uh, she's doing it through text, and and that is an enormous benefit to those women, enormous benefit to those women. And so I look at solutions like that. I, I think increasingly I'm starting to see more and more. Um, when you when you say a design intent, that's a bold statement. That's obviously design thinking. Is it human centered design or? I mean, because one of yeah. the challenge with des- design intent is most of healthcare is designed in kind of a screwed up way, more about transactions and silos historically. Like, what it, when you want to double click on that design intent, what, what kind of design intent matters right now if you were to give advice to someone like David, who's a, who's a, who's a frustrated startup guy? Uh, I'd give two. Uh, one is that I, what I see often in the, in the design approaches is that um, 
this concept of this balanced interest paradigm that says if you're going to create a solution in healthcare that's really great, you have to, it has to be good for the patient and the payer and the provider and sometimes the product manufacturers like pharma. No. The correct design should be consumer only. The rest of those people are there to serve. The second thing I think is increasingly um, a design intent that says, who are the people who have the greatest need? Um, those who don't have the greatest need, they've already had a lot of stuff designed for them. Those who have the greatest need haven't. And, and so, I, so I think the second point is more about a market and market opportunity that says there are huge swaths of America that are struggling to get the care they need and get solutions. What are you, how are you designing for them? And, and by the way, don't, and what I also encourage people, don't like day one tell me how is it going to get paid for. Like, don't, like, just design it and give me something that works for the individual. Maybe in a month or two months, tell me how it's going to get paid for. I, I promise you, if you build something that people engage with, that, that impacts their health, somebody's going to come along and want to pay you for it. That's it for another edition of Care Talk. We're here at Health 2021 with our first, second-time guest, Marcus Osborne, Senior Vice President, Walmart Health. Walmart is doing a great job in healthcare, despite what John may say about it, and we appreciate Marcus being on the show. Uh, and I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. If you liked what you heard or you didn't, please subscribe. <laughs>